Welcome to The Open Word, the online teaching ministry of Pastor David Landry on today's episode. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. Like many people today, they see the testimony of believers in their lives, either in their, in their family or in their workplace or in their neighborhood, and they don't want to believe it, and they kick against it in every way possible. They hear the reality of the truth of the hope of the gospel declared rather from a pulpit or a Bible study or on a radio or television, and they kick against it. They don't want to surrender themselves to it. They continue on like that stubborn ox in the way that they want to go, not realizing that the way that they're leading leads to destruction. Some people are spiritually blinded by the lies of Satan and his darkness. Pastor David says that when God's light shines in, it bothers them. Christians tend to hate these people because they are going against God. It's easy to immediately move into this attitude, but this is not an attitude of Christ. You need to pray that someday they come to see the truth and are able to accept Christ's calling. Someday they may be the ones to share the truth to others who are blinded. Today, let's listen in on how God turns terrorists into evangelists. And here's Pastor David in the book of Acts chapter 9 as he continues his message, Terrorist to Evangelist. That always brings to thought that idea, and it's an old one. But if you were arrested for being a Christian, would they find enough evidence? Would they hear the testimony of your neighbors, your coworkers, your family that said, oh yeah, they're a Christian, they're a believer for sure? Or are you one of those Christians that says, well, I kind of fly under the radar? I don't want to make, make big waves. So really, most of the people I know, they, they, they don't know that I'm a Christian. I kind of keep it you know, under, under, undercover. I'm an undercover agent for the Lord Jesus. You know, the Lord Jesus doesn't have any undercover agents. We've got to be bold. We've got to be right out there. And yes, that makes us targets for those that hate Christ. When we look at this, Luke tells us that Saul was looking for any who were of the way. Now that's a peculiar word. Uh, It's a rare word. and It's used, yeah, definitely to designate uh, Christians, those who were of the way, being those that followed the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ himself had declared that he was the way, the truth, and the life. He was also known as the way of righteousness. But in referring to those who followed him as the way, you need to understand that phrase, that, that term is only used in the book of Acts. And Luke only uses that term there, here in Acts when it is somehow connected to the apostle Paul. 
or rather before he was converted and he was Saul of Tarsus, or even after he was converted and he ministered to the churches. Luke uses that phrase a couple of times in the book of Acts, but in every time it is connected somehow to the apostle Paul. So in my wondering mind, I look at that and I, I wonder, did, did Paul actually coin that phrase? And, you know, it now, now became popular and then the circle that Paul ran with. We don't know, whatever the case. We find, though, that before his conversion, here he is, Saul of Tarsus, this one who declares himself as being a Pharisee of the Pharisees, blameless in the law of Israel. He's on the road to arrest any believers he might find in Damascus, men or women, that he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, depending upon the route you take, Jerusalem is about 150 miles or so, or Damascus is about 150 miles from Jerusalem. If you are walking that route, whatever route that you took, and there was a couple of them available, it would still take about two weeks to get there, give or take a day or so. Now that's a long time to be on the road and allowing your hatred for a people to continue to grow and to simmer. And as Paul got closer to Damascus, I believe that his hatred for the people even grew to a, to a higher range, a higher level. And he was ready to go in and literally to terrorize the Christians there in Damascus. Ah, but God, but God had a different idea. Look with me if you would there in verse three. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. And then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said to him, who are you, Lord? And then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting and it's hard for you to kick against the goads. Now, real quick, that, that last uh, little phrase there, it's hard for you to kick against the goads. Some of your versions may have that written a, a different way. Some of you may not have it in your particular version. Don't worry about it. We're going to look at it later. It, it's not a major issue. But here, as Paul travels, suddenly a light shines around him from heaven. He falls to the ground. He hears a voice, and it's the very voice of Jesus himself. And then in a very personal way, I believe that the Lord Jesus addressed Saul as only Jesus could. Saul, Saul. I don't think he was yelling at him. I think it's more like a parent would come to an erring child that just continues to do the wrong thing, even to his own hurt. And you would come up and you'd say, oh, Vic, Vic. <laughs> Sally says I will. <laughs> I find it interesting. We see the same kind of love, the same kind of tone, the same kind of style uh, as the Lord addressed, remember Simon Peter on the night that he was betrayed, and Simon says, ah, I'm not going to deny you, Lord. I'll be the one that stands for you. You can count on me, Lord. And then Jesus comes, oh, Simon, Simon. <laughs> you know, the devil wants you, and he's going to sift you like wheat. No, I don't think the Lord was yelling at Saul. I don't think he was yelling at Simon. As a matter of fact, one of the things that we need to understand, unless we miss the whole connection here, is that in the, in the, in the Hebrewism, 
is, is that whenever they would say the name twice like that, it, it, was, it was a way of expressing intimacy and, and care for them. Now, uh, it's totally different when you're yelling at someone. Most of you know, you know, uh, when my dad yelled at me, he didn't call my name twice. He just called all my names, you know. Yeah. Uh, he, yeah, everyone that he gave me and that God gave me and a few more. But... Uh, <laughs> He got my attention that way. But in, in the Hebrew idiom, uh, to say the name just twice, it's a sign of intimacy. We see it that just before Abraham plunges, plunges the knife into Isaac, we hear God speaking to Abraham. Abraham, Abraham. Maybe a little bit more intensity at that point, but it's still that cause of concern. We, we see it as, as God was encouraging Jacob, now an old man. Joseph already in Egypt, the, the situation of the famine taken care of as the brothers have been up there. Now God is telling Jacob to go up and join with Joseph and the rest of the family. And at night he gives a vision and says, Jacob, Jacob. Remember at the burning bush as Moses went up to see what that light was. And from that bush, the words came out, Moses. Moses, again, that sign of intimacy, that desire, that, that midnight call of a, of a, of a young priest and, and prophet in training. He had heard the voices earlier on, but now late at night, he hears it once again. Samuel, Samuel. And then the Lord speaking to young Samuel. And then we heard that heartfelt cry of our Savior even as he hung on the cross, as he cried out, my God, my God. In that kind of an aspect, in that kind of an understanding, the Lord wants to get Saul's attention. This heartfelt cry of Jesus to a man that thought he was so right, and yet he was so wrong. And he was wrong in everything. He was religious, but he never had a relationship with God. He had knowledge of the scriptures, and yet he was ignorant of the very one that these scriptures pointed to. Through circumcision, he bore the, the physical markings of being a part of the people of God, but he knew nothing of being a child of God. He knew the law, but not the heart of the lawgiver. He excelled beyond his peers in everything, dealing with Judaism, and yet with every step, he traveled further and further away from God with each passing breath. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul had been blinded by the, by the brightness of the light. He so intense that he fell to the ground. And some say that he was very possibly riding a horse. He fell from there. Whether he was riding a horse or whether he was walking, one thing we know, he was knocked off his high horse at that point in time. He found himself on the ground, blinded and in absolute disarray. And that voice came, Saul. Saul, why are you persecuting me? A very strange question indeed. And Saul's response, I believe, was a really reasonable one. Persecuting you? I don't even know who you are. Who are you, Lord? And we understand even as, as Saul uses that word, 
Lord, uh, in, in our Bibles it's capitalized, but it's not necessarily necessary to be capitalized because the word itself also means sir. I believe that he was asking that as a respect out of whoever that was. He wasn't declaring that this voice that was speaking to him was his Lord and a Savior. No, he was just giving respect to the one that suddenly has his attention. Who are you, Lord? I believe we can safely say that the answer to that question as the Lord spoke to him shook his world. Shook his world and changed him in a way that Saul wasn't prepared for, but it happened on that day on that Damascus road when that voice declared, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Jesus, the one that Saul hated. Jesus, the name that Saul was trying to wipe off the face of the world. Jesus, the one that was crucified, whom his followers said was resurrected uh, and, and is no longer dead. Jesus was here now addressing Saul, and Saul could not deny it. And that was a hard reality to fight against at that point in time when the very one that you were fighting against is now coming to you. And Jesus tells Paul that with every believer you have persecuted, every believer you have beaten, each man, each woman you've put in jail, with each one, Saul, you've been coming against me personally. Whenever an attack Church, whenever an attack comes upon you because of your faith, not because you're just being a jerk, no, that's something else, but when it comes upon you because of your faith, understand that that attack is directly to Jesus. And when that happens, that allows us then to actually be able to love our enemy and to love our attacker because you know, just like Saul, they have no idea what they're doing. Saul attacked and persecuted the Christians in and around Jerusalem. He continued to see the impact of the gospel in their lives. What what they had was real. And I believe that Saul Saul observed the realness of their faith, that that probably just heated up the, the hatred and the contempt for them. How much had he had actually heard or, 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 or been a part of as far as the teachings of Jesus, we don't know. But we do know that he saw and that he heard the testimonies of those who knew Christ. And as he and others persecuted those that were a part of the way, the strength of those believers' faith in the midst of all of these trials, in the midst of their imprisonments, and even in their death, screamed out, to Saul of Tarsus, the reality and the validity of their faith. Though you slay me, yet shall I serve him. And I believe that Paul heard that over, and or Saul heard that over and over and over again as he persecuted the church. Now here on the Damascus Road, Jesus makes that statement. It's hard for you to kick against the goads, isn't it, Saul? Well, again, some of your versions don't have that because we know that in the best of the uh, Greek manuscripts, it's not really there. 
but it is located in the book of Acts down in chapter 26 as Saul, as Paul, now the apostle, is giving his testimony to King Agrippa. As he gives the testimony to King Agrippa, he speaks this phrase that this actually did happen on the Damascus Road. So somehow, probably one of the copyists put that even here in the book of Acts for us. It's not a big deal, but you need to understand what this goad is. What in the world is a goad? It's a sharp, long stick, a, a, a strong stick. It's not just a, a flimsy little thing. It's a pretty good size stick, but it's got a sharp point at the end of it. So those that are herding with livestock, as they're directing the livestock, they just kind of tap the livestock on the hindquarters to get them to go where they want them to go. Now, if you've got a, an, an ornery uh, cow or whatever kind of livestock you've got, and you tap them there with the goat, they start kicking at it. Uh, don't, don't be poking me. I'm going where I want to go. No, I, I don't want you to go there. I want you don't stop poking me. And they kick against it. And that's exactly what Saul was doing as he heard the testimony of all these believers attesting to the reality and the truth of the living Christ. He continued to kick at it. And Jesus says, you're persecuting me. It's hard for you to kick against the goads, isn't it, Saul? God used the testimony of so many to poke at Saul, and yet he continued to deny it, just like a lot of people today. Saul kicked long and hard against, against the wooing, against the direction of God's Spirit in his life, kicking against the testimony of those believers, trying to ignore the message. God had been speaking to him loud and clear, I believe, for quite some time, but he just wouldn't listen. And it's like many people today. They see the testimony of believers in their lives, in their, in their family or in their workplace or in their neighborhood, and they don't want to believe it, and they kick against it in every way possible. They hear the reality of the truth of the hope of the gospel declared rather from a pulpit or a Bible study or on a radio or television, and they kick against it. They don't want to surrender themselves to it. They continue on like that stubborn ox in the way that they want to go, not realizing that the way that they're leading leads to destruction. Saul could have heard other words that day. Instead of the blinding light, it could have been a lightning bolt. And instead of hearing the grace and the mercy of God, he could have been standing before the very judgment of God. The man that thought he was doing so right, doing so wrong, to now stand before the judgment seat of Almighty God. Saul received grace, and he received compassion from the Lord at this time. Church, don't ever forget, our God is a God of compassion, a God of mercy. And even as God was giving the law, he was laying it out to Moses, remember? And he said, man, if you don't obey the law, this is what's going to happen to you. If you deny my law, deny my name, this is what's going to happen to you. But in the midst of that, God also told uh, Moses, and he, he shares with him, he says, the Lord, the Lord God is merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands and forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. 
The psalmist knew by history as well as by his own personal experience that God was a merciful God. He declares in Psalm 86, but you, O Lord, you're a God full of compassion and, gr- and you are gracious. You're long-suffering and abundant in mercy and in truth. You see, we come down to understand that right now, Saul, laying on the ground there on the road to Damascus, he's physically blind. He cannot see anything, but I believe that he is spiritually seeing better than he has ever seen in his life. The eyes of his heart and his soul are opened up to understand the grace and the mercy of God. And he surrenders himself to that. Look there down in verse six. So he, Saul, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And then the Lord said, arise and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. Now, just like Philip from a couple of weeks ago, Saul becomes a man willing to to go, willing to be used as a vessel of the Lord, not knowing where the Lord is sending him, but just willing to go. Uh, He had no clue. He, He said, you just go into the city, I'll tell you what to do. That kind of obedience is what the Lord desires from each one of us. Hey, we all want to know all the steps, don't we? We, we, okay, if I do this today, what's going to happen tomorrow? Uh, or am I in the only boat like that? We, we just, we just want to know. We know we, that, that one step thing, man, that's a lot of faith. But that's what the Lord calls us to. You take this step. And if you're obedient in that, I'll show you the next step. And if you're obedient in that, I'll show you the next step. And sometimes the steps that we're in right now in our lives, they're not comfortable. They're not pleasant. And sometimes they're just downright scary. Amen. But we trust God that he is in control of all of his universe. Verse 7 says, The men who joined with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but, but not seeing, uh, or but seeing no one. And Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were open, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight and neither ate nor drank. No doubt, a time of introspection, self-examination for Saul as he was there for three days. He met the master. He was surrendered to him. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. The days ahead, what they held for him, he had absolutely no clue other than the fact that his life would never be the same. And when you and I have a true and a powerful encounter with the Lord. When we are truly converted, our lives must be changed. We can't remain the same. But you know what? Even after our conversion, we still need to have those encounters with the Lord Jesus Christ. He desires to have encounters with us on regular basis. Because he wants to work and move in our lives and the events and the situations of our lives. He wants to show himself strong on our behalf. He wants to show his grace and his mercy in our lives. He wants to show his direction. And he wants our lives to bring glory to him in all ways. If you're here this morning and you've never truly been converted, we shared about that during our time of communion. Maybe today is that day that you need to make that decision. 
Or maybe today you're here and, and you, you've been converted. You were converted years ago, but yet there's not been any ongoing encounters with the Lord. Maybe today is that day that you want to say, Lord, I'm tired of going my own way. I want you truly to be Lord of my life in every way. We want God to meet you and for you to have that encounter even today. That's all we have time for on today's edition of The Open Word. Pastor David has been teaching through the book of Acts, introducing you to the early church and how they were radically changed by an encounter with the Holy Spirit. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to let you know how you can listen to more editions of The Open Word. Here's Pastor David. I'm so glad you tuned in today to The Open Word. As you know, this broadcast is meant to share with you the hope, grace, and love that can only be found through Jesus Christ. Would you like to listen to more of them? Well, just visit theopenword.com. You'll be directed to our Facebook page where we're adding all of my previous messages for you to listen to for free. Be sure to like and follow that page and feel free to share it with your friends. That website again is theopenword.com. Thanks, Pastor David. We'd like to take a moment before we close and ask you to consider partnering with us here at The Open Word. Would you pray for us and for our listeners? We know the enemy attempts to hinder the truth of the gospel from being spread. He will stop at no cost to prevent even one heart from turning to Jesus. Thanks for partnering with us in this, and thanks for listening to The Open Word. Do you live in Casa Grande? If so, we'd love to meet you. Come join us this weekend at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande on Saturday at 6.30 p.m. or Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Directions can be found at theopenword.com. That's all for today. Thanks again for tuning in and for praying for The Open Word.